Hi, welcome to the Daily Telegraph NRL podcast. Adam Mobbs here with Paul. I've had a break, Crawley, and Fatima Kadu. How are you going? I'm good, Mobsy. How are you? Good. I don't look as refreshed as Crawls does. Look at him. His face <laughs> is... Oh, nice colour to it. <laughs> Three days <laughs> off, mate. Oh. Does the world a good. Um, did you watch much footy while you were away? Oh, yeah, I watched most of the games. Um, there was a couple of games that were a struggle to get through, I thought, like um, this time of the year... You know, the big stars are missing and mm. the scores get a little bit lopsided and then it gets hard to watch. But I don't know what the answer is because I'd hate to go a weekend without a game. Yeah, yeah. And we, we spoke about this last week, Buzz, Mick and I, about how good the footy had been. Is it just because it's that origin week? Are we concerned that we're starting to see teams sort themselves out a bit now and the, the better teams are, are going to stand up and... You know, there were some disappointing performances the weekend. The Bulldogs and Tigers, uh, two examples of that. It's a long season, mate. It's it, and it's hard for teams to keep themselves up. We saw the week previous with the Dolphins. Like the Dolphins had that performance against the Warriors backed up, and it's kind of like, mate, they needed the break. Some teams get to this stage and they need the break. The Bulldogs miss a couple of players and. They go a long way backwards. The Tigers were without Brooks this week. They're also without Appy and don't forget Adam Dewey's out of the picture. Mm. It's They're big losses for a team with that roster. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. the quality of the footy, normally we're used to sort of seeing the first four weeks of, of the footy being, you know, a, a, a little bit off. Teams are just figuring things out, you know, bringing up match fitness. But this year it felt like every team just sort of burst out of the blocks and maybe there is an element of, of sides just beginning to burn out a, a little bit. And then, of course, you know, we did have teams like Penrith, like Melbourne play this weekend without their big stars. I mean, now even Parramatta without Mitch Moses and Junior Barlow. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't I, I, I don't necessarily agree with Crawls. I think, well, if we're going to have three, buy, three buys um, every year, then maybe it's not a bad idea, which Bellamy, Bellamy floated on the weekend, that you have a buy leading into Origin. You know, that way, at least backing up from Origin, every team can take the field. And if they want to play their Origin players, they have the choice to field the best possible 17. I don't even like a Thursday night without that for team. I say the same. <laughs> on Thursday night, I'm thinking... I'm not working this weekend. I'll sit down, have a beer, watch the footy. There's no bloody footy. Oh, three, three games on Super Saturday, three games. I know. What's doing? I can um, oh, I over the weekend. No, you can't go a weekend without footy. <laughs> I can put you a, a Netflix must-watch list if you want, guys. To I get even you watched the. the I think on the Thursday night we watched the Arnie documentary. <laughs> I haven't got into that yet. I've heard good things. Um, speaking of. Overcoming the odds and different things. Fatima, you had it in your likes. We've got to mention it first. Alex oh, Twal. Twali. Twali. Oh. Twali. <laughs> How good was it to see him? 116 games, what, six or seven seasons now? It almost felt like it wouldn't come. And I think it was uh, John Bateman who, who was there celebrating with him, sort of said he didn't know what to do. Like he'd never scored a try before. <laughs> he didn't know what the reaction was. And then, you know, they celebrated like they'd won a grand final. The chant went out over, around. Uh, Campbelltown Stadium, um, yeah. The the look in the look on his face was um, was was priceless. It was a pretty good moment for him. But he deserves it. The the look on his teammates' faces because you can say <laughs> all you like. Oh, you know, we don't pay attention to this sort of stuff. Oh. They were acutely aware because as soon as he pushed put down that football. They went nuts. Wasn't they? there a moment earlier this year where he got across the line and he did he drop the ball or someone knocked it out? What was that one again? Like it was, yeah, it was a millimeter. It was like he yeah. didn't know how to do it. But, yeah. Um, no, good on him. He's a great player. I, well, he's a, he's a really he's a guy that gives a hundred percent every yeah. time he runs yeah. out in the field, and it was wonderful to see him. Um, you know, 
that hard working that hard working lock that you need that does all the yeah. does all the the one percenters and yeah it's it's nice because you, it's funny that you know you don't judge a player by try scored especially for his position but it's mm. just it's one of those moments in league you just love to see so let's hope it doesn't take another 116 games for him mm. to score his next well who's on the list next who do we who's uh, well, you say Carrigan? Uh, Pat Carrigan <laughs> yeah 70 odd games uh, considering just how mobile he is and just that sort of um uh that combination he has with with Haas and you know his ability to sort of find a bit of space I'm really surprised by that he hasn't even scored in origin yet either so mm. um uh, let's hope it doesn't come on Wednesday. But yeah, he's he's an interesting one now for the record. He would he would not be my first pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, no nudie run for Alex Twile this year. At seven seasons, not that they do it anymore in rugby league. Obviously, <laughs> we're all we're all way beyond that and a lot more mature. But listen, I want to talk about what everyone's been talking about the last three four days. Ben Hunt. What's going on at the Dragons? Ben Hunt, Crawls and I were looking at this off air, signed a two-year extension last October, uh, linking him to the Dragons till the end of 2025. He'll be uh, 35 when that season kicks off. So um, that's you think that's going to be kind of his last contract um, unless he pushes into a 36 year. But he's requested a release from the Dragons who have shown backbone by denying it outright. And that's in the wake of, Shane Flanagan being announced as the successor for Anthony Griffin. So um, Crawls obviously he wanted assurances about the fullback role, given that they've got um, they've got young Tal Talmo and they've got Jaden Sullivan, they've got um, um, Tyrell Slow. They've got these young kids where you're looking at where the spine is for the future and what he's going to do with the last two years of his contract. Where do you sit on this? I think he's um, he's showing that he's he's self entitled. I think it's disgraceful for a club captain to put his club in this predicament. Ben Hunt had the opportunity last year in October to make his decision. We knew at that stage that Anthony Griffin was living on borrowed time in respect to his coaching future. Ben Hunt knew exactly what we knew. Um, he chose to sign that contract. Here we are, not even twelve months down the track, and he's and he's demanding a release. Even when Shane Flanagan was looking to get the job, the, the the story got out, and where did it get out from? Where do you think that he wanted guarantees <laughs> that he wasn't going to play hooker, that he was going to stay at halfback? He received that, and now that's not enough. Now he wants to go home to Queensland or whatever it is. It's a tough one for the Dragons because on one hand, I reckon half their supporters would think, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. But on the other hand, I'd really hope to see the Dragons stand by their principles here and deny it. I think the NRL needs to step in. Yeah. I, I, I truly think it's a rotten look for the game. We always say that a contract is worth nothing these days. Well, this is the example of that. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one. I think the tide has turned a little bit for Ben Hunt in terms of how the Dragons fans feel about him. There would have been a point where, you know, they wanted him to be the focal point of the team. They would have wanted the club to, you know, um, consult him when it came to who the next coach was going to be because he was the guy they were going to build uh, um, a team around. But you know what, Mobsy? I don't actually – like the Dragons have shown backbone, but I reckon the fact that Ben Hunt asked for that release shows that he thought they'd they don't have a backbone because mm. you don't ask for that release if you don't think you're a chance of getting it. But it also shows because, as Cross mentioned, so uh, Shane Flanagan gave him the assurances that he wanted. 
So what's going on there? Like what is it that Ben Hunt has a problem with? Because we know that Flanagan, I think, even before they missed out on Jason Riles, is the most qualified person for the job. We saw what he can do at the Sharks in terms of turning around a roster and making them a premiership winning outfit. He got assurances from Flanagan. So what's going on there? What is Ben What is Ben Hunt's problem? Is it with the management? Is it with Ryan Webb? Is it with the board? There's something There's something to me that feels like there's a lot something deeper um, there going on. In terms of the NRL getting involved, look, this whole early release I've always hated. I don't know whether the NRL should get involved because then you have the flip side where clubs themselves, you know, sign players on multi-million dollar deals and then they want to move them on. Does that make mean, them both accountable? You know, mm. make a contract worth something. Like in, when you on the outside looking in, to me, it looks like Ben Hunt wants to go home to Queensland. He has maybe two or three years left in his rugby league career, and as a, as a famous Queenslander, he can set his life up beyond rugby league. He should have thought about that last October before he signed the extra two years at the Dragons. Yeah, and you look it's at pitiful. This. So he is on a million dollars, more than a million dollars this season. He's got a two-year extension where I think in the final year of that, he will drop slightly below that million-dollar mark. So he's getting he's going to get paid. Now that he's, he's contracted, he's going to get that money, but- if I'm the Dragons, I'm not putting in a cent to, for him to play elsewhere. If he wants to leave, go and sign. You know, well, that's another yeah. good point, especially because they're trying to rebuild a roster. So mm. if he's going to go and he, that experience is going to walk out that door, they're going to need that million dollars to fill in that hole. As you mentioned, Momsy, they have a very young spine, you know, Amone, um, uh, Sloan, Sullivan are all very much in their early 20s. They haven't really figured out what they're doing with the number nine position as well. So, you know, um, the Dragons, if they do have backbone and he does want to go, whoever picks him up has to find a million dollars. Or or the other option here is that you say, okay, let's just hypothetically say it's the Titans. The Titans have said that mm. they're at this point they want nothing to do with it until – until he gets a release, of course. Okay, of course mm. that's how it works. But <laughs> but if it was if if I was in charge of the Dragons, and say, okay, do you really want him? Do you really want him? Okay, well you convince AJ Brimson to come to us, mm. or mm. you convince David Fafita to come to us, or pick out the two players that you want that can cover his million dollar salary and get them in return. Otherwise, yep. all bets are off. Yeah, the Dragons are in a position of strength here. Um, I know. Look, we've been saying this for years that there's been issues at the Dragons with how the club's been managed because, what, one finals appearance in a decade, not good enough. You know, Ben Hunt's in the final year of a, a six-season deal that that he initially signed. So, But he signed that two-year extension. So if he wanted to go home to Queensland, you're right, he should have thought about that. But can the can the Titans afford a million bucks for him? I mean, I know, I know the Dolphins could, but do they want to pay... Do they want Ben Hunt as their seven for the next two years? Or well, well, that's the that's the other thing Isaiah where the, the NRL have to to make assurances. It's it's a little bit similar to the the Jack Whiten situation where Canberra was saying, okay, well we'll have it out there what Jack's on, mm. just so when he signs at another club, there's some clarity for the fans to look at and say, is that acceptable? In this instance, if Ben Hunt wants to leave, he should be going on onto the the new club salary cap at no less mm. than he's on at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, and I think the other really awkward thing for Shane Flanagan now, and, you know, I've seen some Dragons fans on social media yeah. make this point, and it is a really good point, 
he's the captain. So he's not just the halfback, mm. he's the captain. And so the club is going through a rebuilding stage and you have the guy who is the leader saying, I don't want to wear the red V. Mm. That's problematic. Do you know what I mean? It's almost gotten to a point now where it's it's untenable because how do you turn that around? How do you play behind a bloke who is your captain and doesn't want to be in that jumper? So should he be captain? They've got the – who they play this week? They've had the bye last week because that's the question I had was what do you think about the timing of this week, of him announcing it this weekend when they've had – well, not him announcing it, about it being released. So they play Friday night against the Warriors. Does he have the C next to his name? Um. Well, if I'm Carr, um, I'm probably trying to keep people as happy as possible. But but if he doesn't want to be there, then he can't be the captain. You've got to make a stand. You can't give him the captaincy if he doesn't yeah. want to be there. You've got to mm. until this is sorted out. And look, I don't know. But who's the other option? Well, they gave it to Jack DeBellin last All time. All it really they? needs to sort out is for the dragons to say no. Well, they've Which they've that. said, but, mm. but but they've got to stand by it. Yeah, and and they've just got to say, end of story, mate. You're not going anywhere. You're staying here. You signed a contract. At the end of your two years, you can go. Let's move forward. You mm. are the captain of this team. Get out there and bloody play the football that you've been playing. Because you've seen clubs like the Melbourne Storm show that with Addo Carr. Josh Addo Carr wanted to come back to Sydney, and they made him see out the final two years of his deal. Unless they got what they wanted, wanted and they never yep. got that. Yep. And that's what I'm saying here. There is an opportunity for the Dragons to think, okay, well, since Ben Hunt's here, we've played finals one year. We've been paying him a million dollars. Is is it in our best interest to let you go? But if we do, what can we get out of it? Yeah, the Titans have a couple of good forwards that, you know, a part two good of- fullbacks? Yep. But that's something the Dragons have sorely missed, some middles, so, you know, and some forwards. So A good young halfback. Mm. Well, they know. have, you know, they have two supposedly good young halves coming through. So, and I think they're sort of, as local juniors, they want to back them and, and see them develop. But I still think they need somebody with a bit of experience just to help guide them through that development. Mm. But I do think the bigger issue in this is is the, the, the fiascos that surround the contracts in the NRL at the moment, they're just worth nothing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's, oh, there's, You know, there's no loyalty. At least in – like I, I had my say last week on Luke Brooks. I think in Luke Brooks's instance, I'm, I'm glad he's looking at his options now because I don't believe the Tigers have ever given him the stability for him to reach his potential at that club. And even though he's been well paid, yeah. he's had six or seven different coaches. He's had so many different dummy halves, so many different five-eights. He's had no chance to really, you know – find that consistency and that stability around him. But in this instance, Hunt wants out before his contract mm. is and I, up, but, and that's wrong. Yeah, but that's that's the biggest flaw in the system that we have at the moment, right? So clubs aren't allowed to offer an actual deal with a dollar figure and a, and a term until you're officially off contract from November 1, but that doesn't stop you or your manager, or the club that you belong to, you know, having these discussions, you know, discussions, quote unquote, about, you know, a the, potential switch or breaking that, a, though, a contract early. They're not. They're not supposed to talk about the period that he is contracted. You can't to. induce a player to, to break a you, current contract. You can mm. talk beyond the end of whenever it is. Is it next year or the year after? Twenty twenty five. Yeah, you can talk beyond that, but you can't talk about now. Otherwise that is mm. breaking the but guidelines. But that's clearly happening. 
Well, that's why you we can't get all prove these, that because well, everyone, but, everyone's you know, That's why we get all these mid-season switches mm. and players wanting contract releases. So it is an area that is very hard to police. And you talk about the Dragons with their forwards. They've lost all the... They lost Josh Kerr to the Dolphins, but they've released him mid-season. So their middles have taken another massive hit. Yep, yep. I saw that. I saw that news come through yesterday. And again, it, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like they have, you know, striking the outside backs. They've got green shoots in, in, in the spine and the halves. And to me, uh, middle forwards in particular has always been a, a part of their roster that isn't where it needs to be. So, you know, it's a very interesting call that they've let, Josh Kerr go. Cleans up a bit of their, you know, cleans up a bit of salary cap room so they could maybe front end some contracts next year. But I'm not sure Josh Kerr's on the kind of money that's going to make a real difference to that for next season. So look, let's cut to a quick break and then uh, come back and talk about this some more because this has flow on effects to state of origin and a number of things. G'day, it's Matty Johns here from the Matty Johns Podcast. Now, each week on a Wednesday, I'm going to talk rugby league, bringing listeners to the very latest from the NRL, including insight analysis from one of the sharpest minds in the game, Cooper Cronk. Plus, on Fridays, we'll bring you inside the Johns family household. When I googled electric eel, it came up with the most frequently asked questions. First one was, can I power my house with electric eels? (laughs) Whether it's uh, NRL or laughs, there's something in this podcast for everyone. Search for the Matty Johns Podcast wherever you get your podcast right the question i had for you guys is what do you think about the timing of this if you're billy slater in origin camp are you worried at all about the noise around this outside of your preparations i reckon billy slater would have hated that this story came out at the the timing that it did um you know i I guess sometimes things get leaked and and you can't control the news cycle and how it happens but you know we've seen billy go from being quite um, open and relaxed to being quite, you know, serious in, in the build-up to this game. The last thing he would have wanted is, you know, people hounding Ben Hunt, which is, I'm sure, is exactly what is happening um, in Queensland at the moment. But uh, will it be a distraction for the Maroons? I, I don't think for the Maroons. Is it potentially a distraction for Ben Hunt? I think Yep, that it might be. Crawls, they've probably leaked it themselves, the Maroons, to try and create some sort of <laughs> underdog tactic. This is this is how conniving they I'm are. I'm not sure. There. Like I think um when I look at Billy's um the the change in from his happy go lucky game one approach to the more serious face now, I think that's probably more to do with the fact that that because of the injuries to Latrell Mitchell and Nathan Cleary and the fact that the blues are on the the ropes the biggest danger for Queensland is complacency. Mm. I'm not sure that the Ben Hunt situation is is anything to do with that. Yes, it could put Hunt off his game, but he's experienced enough to to be able to play through this. I I don't think that that will be a real issue for him. But, Mobsy, with the fair income stakes, this exploded yesterday because Ben Hunt sent that text message to Buzz. Mm. Mm. And he confirmed that he wanted out. Why would he do that days out from an origin game? Mm. Well, maybe well, he's he got rocks in his head. No, I, you know, look, this is one area that I'm not willing to bag Ben Hunt on, even though I think the way he's gone about wanting to, you know, get out of the Dragons isn't the best look for him. I'll give him this. He's always been upfront and honest about things. And, you know, so... Um, yeah, I don't. To me, it, it says that he doesn't think whatever is going on is going to bother him or affect his performance. So, yeah, I, I, I 
we want players to be as honest as possible. So that's one thing you, you can give Ben Hunt a pat on the shoulder. Three days out from Norwich and game. Yeah, he's one. honest. You ask him the question and he answers. So you've got to appreciate that. I'd have kept quiet. But, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> but leading into an origin, I, I yeah, yeah. I wonder. I just wonder how. If I'm, if there's any listeners up there who are heading to the game who are Blues fans, please take some signs. Please take <laughs> release the dragon. Do something. Try and get under their skin somehow <laughs> because we need to find any little bit to cling on to because the Blues are going to be right up against it there at Suncorp. But a sold out Suncorp against Queensland who are just. Everything's that. Apart from this, everything couldn't be going smoother for the Queenslanders, could it? Yeah, that's true. But it, look, it isn't. New South Wales have had some massive roadblocks put in front of them with the loss of Luttrell and the loss of Nathan and everything else that's gone on. But at the end of the day, they have still got a bloody good football mm. team, and we've seen time and time again in Origin at club level this year. It doesn't matter who's who you send out if they if they go out with the right attitude anything's possible and and it really is possible for New South Wales up there they've just got to turn up with a with a better attitude and play you know more enterprising football than they did in game 1 they need to ice the big moments crawls they need to if they have possession field position they need to capitalize on it cuz you saw that when in game one, that first half, you know, they, they should have been they should have been more in it. They should have been they ahead. They certainly should have been. They mm-hmm. bombed several tries. Mm-hmm. And and then even even up until about the seventieth minute when Nathan set up that try with the, the crossfield kick, mm-hmm. they took the lead, you know, they were ahead. They capitulated in yeah. the final ten minutes. Yeah. That's what cost them the game. Like it, the the storyline would have been so different. Mm. If not for a couple of mistakes at the end of the game, but I guess it it goes back to the football that they played throughout. Yeah, and do you do you think that Fatima that they because they hadn't given themselves that gap, they didn't they gave Queensland a sniff, and that's all that the Maroons needed. Uh, well, that's all that the Maroons have ever needed. You know, that's that's a lesson they teach they teach the Blues way too often. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, Mitch Moses. Um, and there'll be all eyes on Mitch Moses. You know, he's coming to replace Nathan Cleary, um, who, you know, ironically is supposed to be the Iceman, but potentially, you know, ha- arguably has struggled to, you know, ice certain moments in origin. Um, I-, I was listening to Josh Reynolds on 360 last weekend, and he described it perfectly. Mitch Moses is a gunslinger. So, you know, he's the kind of player that not – cannot only recognize the big moments but will go after the big moments and when the team need him to put them on his shoulders and keep trying he's that competitive he will try to the death so I think you know obviously we lose combinations and influency without Cleary being there but you know in terms of icing the big big moments I think Mitch in terms of his career development is right in that sweet spot to be able to step up and actually you know get the blues over the line on Wednesday. You know better than anyone, Mobsy, watching Parramatta week in, week out. Mitch Moses plays his best football when Parramatta forwards are on the front foot. Yeah. He yeah. he needs the New South Wales forwards to dominate this game. It's hard for every halfback mm. to play off the back foot. But I think particularly with Mitch Moses, he shines at his brightest 
when when the Fords are, are leading the charge. But I mean, that's arguably the same thing you could say for Nathan Cleary. You know, mm. when when he's when the Fords are going forward, when they're in good territory, that's when he's well, sort of the most in control of his game. In in game one, I thought the New South Wales Fords did have the upper hand for the majority of that match, and I thought Nathan played too conservatively. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and that's what let him but down. Think, that's yeah, what let the Blues I, but down. But I think that's the difference between Nathan and, and Mitch Moses. So and and Cleary admitted it in the sheds afterwards. He said, "I hesitated. Um, I didn't attack the game enough. I didn't take on the line enough." Whereas I don't think we will see that type of hesitation from Mitch Moses. The difference for Mitch is also going to be playing at Suncorp Stadium against a Queensland side that will go out to target him. Mm. I asked Billy about that. What sort of reception? Mitch might expect at Suncorp next week by the crowd and also the Queensland team. Billy said, got nothing to say there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the smirk we, on we his face. We both know. Go back to, yeah. was it last year, game one, where Queensland went out and they sat Nathan on his ass almost every time he kicked the ball mm. and they did it legally. And I think with Billy Slater, his attention to detail as a coach will shine in this respect mm. because you see so many penalties in the game these days because of the the, the crackdown on kick pressure if it's not done correctly. Mm, mm. But you've got to get the guy when he's not in the air, you've got to wrap your yeah. arms. I think that's that'll define Queensland's game yeah, if well, they can stop Mitch Moses's long kicking game. Yeah. And I think, you know, with – um, you know, I know Freddie was convinced that having all the Penrith players there would help with combinations and the rest of it. But, you know, the, the the disadvantage in that from my point of view is Penrith have been the benchmark team for, you know, three seasons now. So every single other side in the competition, every single player in that Moraine jumper has studied them to death, right? So they sort of knew what Cleary and Luai were potentially going to throw at them. When you have Mitch and Luai there, there's going to be an element of surprise there. So that might be, you know, an advantage um, for the Blues too. But, yeah, in terms of the way the Maroons shut down Cleary, we need to be doing that to Cameron Munster. We need to be suffocating Cameron Munster. Hmm. Well, they did They did a pretty good job of that for hmm. the majority of game one, didn't they? And then the, he, he just needed that but one he opportunity. he just needed a sniff, yep. yeah. needed that one little bit of daylight. I'm really interested to see how James Tedesco plays running off the back of Mitchell Moses, because you see what Moses and Gutherson do on the back of, like you said, cross forwards, rolling forward. So, mm. you know, and that's something that the Blues desperately need out of Tedesco because that's when he's at his most dangerous. When he's loitering around there, or Tom Trebojevic, the same. Um, you know, they're two guys that can really, they're going to have to break the game open for him because with no Latrell there, and that's, there's no disrespect because I thought Stephen Crichton was one of their best in game one, but Latrell's. Just got that game breaker oh, yeah. about him, doesn't T- he? Teddy's that sort of player, though, a little bit l- different, but a little bit like Munster in that it only takes the mm. blink of an eye for Teddy to explode. And mm. and whether it be, you know, if they start Reese Robson and then they bring Damien on and if the Fords are on the front foot, Cookie has to run the ball. Mm. And then if he if he runs and Tedesco's coming through the middle, that's that's the way New South Wales, you know, like we, we, there's been a lot of negative um, – um, commentary in regards to New South Wales and the performance in game one and how that's, um, you know, set up game two. But there's still enough strike power out there to go out and win the football game if everyone plays at their potential. And, and even even Teddy conceded, he was one of the people that conceded after game one that he didn't get it right. Mm. And he probably tried too hard. Yeah, He's just got to go out there and play his natural game. All right. So what are your tips for Wednesday night? Oh, obviously. The Blues, of course. All right, just 
Uh, okay, by um, New South Wales by eight. Eight, wow. Yeah. First try scorer. Oh, first try scorer, Stephen Crichton. Oh, I think Queensland. Yeah, Queensland, I, I can't see them losing the game. Cross. Well, it's just it's, it's <laughs> being your honest. Faith? <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not part of the pom pom squad. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm just not. I, I look at it reali- realistically. It, I think that with that home crowd and the fact that Queensland have a history of it's 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 the old age old argument. The team of champions up against the champion team, mm. and well, I just think that Queensland at home in this environment. They're going to be hard to beat. I am part of the pom-pom squad, but I'm part of the mm. pom-pom squad for a decider. <laughs> yeah. We won the game three decider. <laughs> in, in Mitch, we trust. Field goal from Moses, 78th minute. It's not, it's yep, not beyond I'll the realms it. of possibility. Like The guy's got so much speed. <laughs> yep. He really does, and and he can he can blast open a game. It's just will he have the opportunities? It, it, it'll come yeah. down to how much Queensland can pressure him mm. and take those opportunities away, a lot like we say about Munster. Mm. Righto. Well, let's cut to a quick break and come and wrap up the weekend that was. The podcast Faith on Trial looks into Hillsong, both in Australia and the US, and takes both the listener and hosts on unexpected twists and turns in the story of Brian Houston and the singing preachers. There are two incidents involving Pastor Brian. The Australian journalists uncovered a litany of alleged criminal behavior in the megachurch. Financial gifts were being given to the leaders of the church. Listen to Faith on Trial Hillsong ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts. Righto, Crawls, you said something earlier that st- stuck with me, talking about Mitch Moses on the back of a good forward pack. What do you make of Reed Marnie at the Bulldogs at the moment with their struggles? Because I think in the very same boat, Reed Marnie's a very good player, but he needs a forward pack that's doing things for him. And unfortunately at the moment, um, I said this at the start of the year, that the Bulldogs – Although they recruited well, they didn't fix their big issue from last season. Is their, their go forward was was non-existent last year, and they got Ryan Sutton in, who's coming back from injury, and I think he played Cup at the weekend, uh, missing a stack of players. And look, kind of similar to what you were saying before about the Tigers with mm. missing some players. That um, you know, it's it's a tough time for them at the moment. But the weekend wasn't great. Oh, mate, the the only knock you can ever have on Reed Marnie is the fact that he tries too hard. Mm. He's just a little goer and, you know, like it's it's not working for him at the moment. You saw that play the ball yesterday where I forget who it was. Was it Ockham Ball? Stuffed oh, yeah. up to play the yeah, ball yeah. and Reed knocked it on and it was just yep. – it was a bloke out of luck, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of problems at the Bulldogs. They don't have a halfback. Mm. You know, they don't, they don't have a, a, a fullback that can, um, you know, give you what the good teams have. Yeah. You know, they've been missing kick out all year. Like, it is disappointing, though. The mm. football we're seeing from the Bulldogs, I can't say, you know, I was only thinking about it before. Like, in the years since Dean Pay left, you know, have they improved? No. Did Dean Pay have a better side than Cameron Serraldo has now? No. I don't not think at he all. did. Not at all. Were they playing better football? Were they, were they more competitive? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think towards the end of Dean Pay's reign, they were. Mm. But but that's not a knock on Cameron Serraldo either because I, I truly I've never heard a person knock Cameron Serraldo as a coach. Mm. So he obviously has it all 
It's just that I, I we're going to have to give them time to get yeah, it right. Yeah, they're going to need time to get it right. That's that's the thing, I think. But w- what did you make of it on the weekend for team? Obviously, Gus and, and Seraldo were, were not backwards in coming forwards about the performance and you know, individual mistakes and efforts. Mm. Well, they have to be because there needs to be some accountability if um, if they're going to get better. And just on you know that go forward that you were talking about, Mobsy, it was the difference was six hundred meters mm. um, yesterday, four hundred meters in the first half. They were pretty much Oof. just blown off the park. And what I found really interesting was even though they had been blown off the park by almost four hundred meters in the first half, and and Gus Gould pointed out in commentary that um, Seraldo started the second half with his three biggest players on the bench. Mm. So not only were there um, the, you know, interesting sort of forward rotation decisions from Seraldo, but um, yeah, they were just, you know, it was almost like boys boys against men. And it was in a way because um, they were the youngest team um, to fill the side on, on the weekend. And it's just, you know, it's, it's time. Sometimes recruitment isn't going to solve everything all at once. Um, Reed Marnie does try too hard, but Reed Marnie tries too hard because he's forced to try too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's, and, and you can't knock him, you can't knock him for that. Um, but yes, they're the, the halves, you know, Carl Oluwapu, green shoots, showing progress. He's tough. He puts his body on the line. Um, Matt Burden didn't play on the weekend, but, you know, Matt Burden isn't a number seven. Mm. You can try as hard as you like. He's not a number seven. They tried it with Jake Avarillo at number seven. He's not a number seven. We saw Seraldo um, sort of hook Hayes Perham from the back and um, switched Avarillo to fullback and moved Perham um, to the centres. I reckon Jake Avrilo should have been their fullback from the start. Yeah, I reckon you're right. Mm. He should have been. Mm. And look, he's quick. He's a playmaker. He can create opportunities. It just you know, I think they went with Perham because they thought he was potentially a more solid defender. Um, and you know, Seraldo is a defensive coach, so I understand that decision. But you know, when you're when you're a team that has struggled to score points. Um, season after season after season. I, I just didn't understand why you wouldn't have one of your strike powers um, in your spine. And look, they'll add to that next year with their strike power with Bronson Cherry and Stephen Crichton at the club. Yep. But from what they were missing on the weekend, Matt Burton, Ray Fatala-Mariner, Luke Thompson, Josh Adokar, Viliami Kikau, who hopefully we see in a couple of weeks if he, if all goes well. But Luke Thompson, I think long odds to see him there next year. Mm. Which then not addressing their base issue, they need go forward. They you need know? go forward, and their their cup side is top of the table in reserve grade. Um, but you know, and the forwards, their edge forwards are the ones that are probably closer to first grade than than the middles. I'd say so. I don't know if, where they're going to find that go forward again. So I wonder what their what next season is going to look for look for them look like for them if they can't. But- Get going. They've just got to hit the market. They've mm. got to make the the tough changes that need to be made and mm. and and move on. And the good thing about that is Gus isn't afraid to do that. Like Gus isn't afraid to to make the tough calls. So mm. you know, if Thompson isn't there next year, he frees up a lot of salary cap. So that might give them you know a bit of a war chest to to play with. Mm. But this is a team that only lost by a point to the Roosters the other week. So mm. they've they've lost three on the bounce. But that game was unlucky, and you know. They were they were outperformed by Para, and they were like you said they were fairly comprehensively on the back foot this weekend for Tima. So hopefully, um, a buy this week and maybe some players back. But yeah, obviously Serato knows what the issues are and how to how to address them. So um, we'll see whether they can do that. But um, the other disappointing performance for me on the weekend, uh, the Seagulls. Hmm. You know, obviously without both Trebojevic's and 
um, Daly Cherry Evans, but Parramatta without both starting halves and Junior Barlow and ran over the top of them with Ryan Madison playing in the six jersey. Yeah, yeah, Manly um, have been up and down all year in in my eyes. Um, another disappointing side was the Knights, who who the week previous were tremendous against Brisbane and. Mm. You know, they were, yeah, they're missing a couple. Who were they? Daniel Safiti was out. Braley's still gone. Yeah. Mm. Tyson Frizzell. But but in saying that, the Roosters had a few out, and and that's been the drama for, for the Knights. One week they can turn up and show so much passion and pride, mm. and the next not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, what was really disappointing for the Sea Eagles is that, that there's such a logjam of teams, like between the bottom of, of the eight and like, you know, 14, 15, and like a single loss, and all of a sudden they're all the way down the ladder. They've, they've just got, they've got too much um, talent to to sort of be in that, the, the position they're in. Yes, they were without Turbo. Yes, they were without Deli Terry, Terry Evans, but it was a, a disappointing performance from them. Well, they're 12th on the ladder. Have they improved since Des I think they left? Were like coming into the they're, they're, that, that, you're right about that because they are a top four roster at their at their best, and 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 so that's where they've got to reduce the margin between their best and their worst mm. performances to be that that top four team. Yeah, but I think Seabold will have a um, the stick out for the forwards this week because they were comprehensively. You talk about those meters. Paramount almost doubled their mm. run meters the other day because they just thought, okay, we're just going to bulldoze mm. them over the top and dominate possession and field position and you know and then try and sort some points so um i'm not trying to gloat too much as a blue and gold <laughs> fan but we'll see now listen we've got to go but i'll give out crawls email on thursday if uh, if the blues get the cash and we can talk about how uh this uh this law you've been so, sorry for being honest <laughs>